You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. This program is proudly supported by Kiama Community College. There's something for everyone, from nationally accredited career courses to seniors' computing, languages and lifestyle programs. Hi everyone, Fred Hollis here, welcoming you to the first of a three-part podcast on the Historic Aircraft Restoration Society Museum at Albion Park, commonly referred to as HARS, and the Wings Over Illawarra Air Show, which is happening on the 27th and 28th of November. If you are in any way interested in aircraft, aviation, or John Travolta, then this is the podcast for you. In this first podcast, I'll be speaking with Ian Badham, about the history of Haas, some of the aircraft the museum flies and displays, and John Travolta's Boeing 707. I'll then be speaking to Mark Bright of Bright Events about the upcoming Wings Over Illawarra Air Show, which will feature the new F-35 Lightnings, F-18 Hornets, and other RAAF aircraft, flights by the Constellation and other historic aircraft, drone exhibitions, and much, much more. Stay tuned for the next two podcasts, which will feature guided tours of a number of aircraft at Haas and the history of the Grumman Tracker, which was involved in the rescue of 99 Vietnamese refugees adrift in the South China Sea in 1981. I really hope you'll enjoy these podcasts, so let's get started. G'day Ian, and welcome to Kiama Community Radio. How are you going today? Pretty good, and thanks for coming to Shell Harbour Airport, a pretty special part of the world. How did you end up at Haas and as media coordinator? Well, with almost 50 years developing aeromedical services and rescue helicopter services around Australia, I knew of Haas and I'd seen things here, but it was only when I retired that I actually took an American friend of mine and showed him around here, and at the end of it he said, you seem to know as much about it as the volunteer guides who are going around. Why don't you join? I thought, that's not a bad idea. So I'm now one of 800 members of HARS. We're all volunteers. It's an entirely volunteer organisation. And with my past involvement with media through the aeromedical services and rescue helicopters and also working as a journalist part-time for, for a mm. long time, I thought, well, I can help out in that area. I'm not a pilot. I'm not an engineer. So that's an area where I can contribute to this organisation. You certainly did a lot of work in developing the Care Flight and the, and the Wales Bank Surf Rescue Helicopter. I mean, that gives you a fair bit of aviation credibility, I would have thought. Yeah, it uh, certainly gives an understanding. But like most things, the more you get to know, the more you realise you don't know. And certainly now involved with HARS, the, the case, because with almost 50 aircraft here in the collection so far, you realise how little you know about a lot of the history of aviation in Australia, even though I think I know a lot. I've been to lots of air shows in yeah. the, over the years and flown in lots of aircraft, but it, uh, it's just an entirely different dimension. And that's one of the great things when you become a volunteer member of, of an organisation. You get involved, you get to know a lot more than you ever did before, and there's some really interesting people. Some people you probably wouldn't want to cross the road to meet, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. the majority of them are really amazing people. The history of the museum, when did it start? Well, it's been going almost 40 years and started off with Bob Delahunty, who was our president, our chief pilot. Bob was in the insurance game and he and some of the uh, aviation people, that he, his colleagues and friends, because he was really into aviation as well, 
thought that they would like to preserve some of the history of aviation in Australia. And they got together and got a Neptune bomber, an anti-submarine bomber, and found that in Tahiti, got it flying, got it back to Australia, and then got another Neptune XRWF one. But when they were overseas mm. in the Mojave Desert at one of the aviation boneyards in America looking for parts for the Neptune, they saw an old derelict super constellation, Lockheed constellation. And that then became really their project of achieving what others in aviation had tried to do for 20 or 30 years, and that was to find the constellation and get it back into Australia. Because the Connies were the aircraft that Qantas used in the 50s and then into the 60s to become a world airliner around the world flights. And it became mantra that somebody needed to get a Connie and get it back to Australia because that was such a thing in aviation. Well, Bob and the team here, because they were passionate about setting up a society to preserve Australia's aviation heritage, they actually worked on the Connie. And the Connie has been the linchpin, been the focus more than the Neptunes turned out to be, the focus of bringing together over 40 years a team of engineers, a team of pilots, a team of aviation professionals, of people who knew aviation, worked as a flight attendant, or didn't have anything to do with aviation, but retired and were looking for something to do. This team of now almost 800 that are here with a single purpose of preserving Australia's aviation heritage. And we'll get back to the Connie and just yeah. sit around and have a talk with yeah. it because it is now the only Super Connie in the world still flying. It's, it's typical of what Haas has become, right. and that is achieving the impossible and daring to dream it. <laughs> so it started off with those two or three aircraft. Over the years, people have offered aircraft. In fact, Bob says that almost every day somebody offers an aircraft. Now, there's a limit to how many you want and the conditions that are attached to them. So really what the team here are about is trying to find aircraft that are offered to us or that we could seek out that really have a story to tell in Australian aviation. And that's the secret of it. The other part of Haas is that the Haas Aviation Museum is yet another aviation museum in Australia, which there are a lot. But this one is one of the few in Australia aimed to not just to preserve and show static aircraft, but to restore them back to flying condition where possible. And so out of almost 50 aircraft here, about a third of them are operational. That is, the engines work or they actually fly. And that makes Haas such a totally different dimension in Australia. KCR, KiamaCommunityRadio.org. For the community, by the community. It's very hard to maintain those aircraft in prime condition over a long period of time. It certainly is. And the DC-3, for example, the uh, C-47, it was called in military terms, Coda, the biscuit bomber. It was the DC-3 that first started flying in 1935. And during World War II, the Americans ramped up uh, the production and some 16,000 of them were built. And Eisenhower said it was one of the four things that actually contributed to winning World War II was having these reliable, rugged aircraft could transport troops, equipment, anything, anywhere around the world. These days, here at Haas, we have four of these and they are flying. 
That's yes. the remarkable difference. Wow. And two of them are ex-RAAF, a transport aircraft that flew for up to 60 years with the Royal Australian Air Force, then retired, and we now continue uh, them flying here. In fact, we flew one earlier this year to mark the 75th anniversary of the DC-3 flying. Another remarkable one here, which again has emphasised the point that we are about preserving Australia's aviation heritage. One of the aircraft here is a former US Air Force C-47, which then became operated by the Australian Air Force. And after World War II, it was taken over by the Commonwealth. The Australian government back in 1946 decided to start an airline going to competition with the private ones of the type like ANA. And this airline, when it was set up, was called Trans-Australian Airlines, TAA, fly TAA, the friendly, friendly way. I remember Those of us, And the DC-3 that flew the first operational flight, first passenger flight for TAA from Laverton near Melbourne to Sydney, almost three hours in the air. That aircraft is part of our collection. It was operated with TAA for 20 odd years and other airlines. It was then taken to Tullamarine, put on a pole outside the airport there for a long, long time. Wow. Some enthusiasts in Melbourne yeah. brought it down, restored it, started it flying again. And then the cost of keeping it going, the expertise to actually keep an old aircraft going is really quite amazing. And so they couldn't do that. They flew it up here, handed it over to Haas. We continue to fly this beautiful, gleaming metal aircraft. It's a beautiful It's design. a beautiful machine. And it's one of the four DC-3 Dakotas that we now have in our collection right. here. When you get something like that plane sitting on a pole, to get it airworthy again, it's a flying. huge step, which is why most aviation museums around Australia have static aircraft. Yes. Here at Haas, as I said, over 20 aircraft actually operate. It's a massive effort of engineering, expertise, getting parts, yep. sourcing parts from around the world, and getting the regulatory approvals from CASA and the various things. For example, the Super Constellation here. It's the only one of its type in the world still flying. The Neptunes still fly, the Catalina flies, the C-47s fly. There's an Orion four-engine turboprop submarine hunter. That's flying. We are going through a restoration with the Southern Cross replica, like the one that Kingsford Smith flew yeah. in the 20s. That has been a 10-year project to completely restore that aircraft. And hopefully, in the next few months, it will take to the skies again. To give you an indication, the team here with their expertise of people who've worked with defence, worked in uh, major airlines, worked in small aircraft industries, a lifetime of experience goes into being able to work on an aircraft to maintain it to the level where it can fly. And then the piloting expertise comes in with people who've come from airlines or defence with thousands of hours to be able to translate that and keep those skills current to keep the aircraft working. With the volunteers that do the restorations and maintain the engines and all this sort of thing, are they local people in the Kiama Illawarra area? Most of them live in and around the area. Some are interstate these days. They come over to Haas for a week or two at a time to bring their expertise. Now you were mentioning before about how aircraft get selected to be here. There are many aircraft that people no longer fly or are no longer operational and they think, what can we do with it? And so our president, Bob Delahunty, gets lots of offers of aircraft. 
and he and our management team have really have to hone down and say what is the significance of this offer to Australia's aviation heritage, therefore we can consider it. Yep. Then the other one is, do we have enough expertise to be able to look after this new one in addition to all the other ones that are here? And what is the cost of that? Because it's a huge investment and Haas doesn't get too much in the way of government grants. So it's through donations, it's through people coming in to do a tour, yep. paying a small amount of money. The proceeds of those tours then go into keeping the organisation going. But it, it takes a lot of funds. We have to be selective in the aircraft that we can display in the facility that we have here yep. and we can continue to maintain in a way that people can recognise it and can see it yes. in its original context. Yes. The John Travolta 707, well, 707 has a massive link to Australia. Well, the 707 that you've mentioned, many people seem to know that John Travolta has donated a 707, which was one of the early Qantas 707s to Haas. It's currently in the USA where it's being worked on. Now, that particular aircraft, after Qantas finished with it, it went on and flew in a private capacity with a number of people in the States. Frank Sinatra had it at one oh. stage. John Travolta's had it for some years. Yeah. And because of his passion, he's a pilot, he's qualified yes, to fly yes. the 707. For some years, he was a Qantas ambassador. And in his role as a Qantas ambassador, he actually flew the 707, complete with its Qantas livery, around yeah, the world, right. including that. into Australia. Yeah. John Travolta has a passion for aviation. And he's been down here to Haas over many years. He likes coming here. He likes what we're doing. Now, it's through his passion and understanding of what Haas is trying to do that when he retired his 707, because it needed a lot more work, it kind no longer met the, uh, the noise requirements for aircraft to fly in the USA, he's actually donated us to us. Now, that aircraft, if he went and sold it somebody, he'd probably get you know, multi-millions for it. But he said, no, I want it to go to the right people who will look after it into the future, and that's Haas. That's why he's donated it to Haas, and it's our objective to be able to get that aircraft back into flying condition again and to fly it to Australia. Maureen Massey, our vice president, is in charge of that particular project, and she has a huge job on her hands to coordinate the effort, particularly with COVID, it means that we can't have our own engineers over there at the moment working on it. So we're using aviation people in the US to do the restoration work on the wings, on the engine pylons, and on the engines. The, the aircraft's in pretty good condition. It was flying up to a few years ago, but like old aircraft, it needs work. And so we've had to get inspections done. We are in the process of replacing some of the wing components, some of the pylon components. The latest projection is that's a few hundred thousand dollars more in cost that we have to raise to finish this work. But we will, and Maureen is convinced that she will be able to get this aircraft airborne, to be able to fly it to Australia. And John Travolta has said that when it comes to Australia, he will be on board to formally hand it over. That will be a huge event. The 707 coming into Albion Park might compare with when the 747 came in to land. That was pretty spectacular. 35,000 people watching. That was a huge event. But I think the 707 arrival, when it happens, will be even bigger. I can't wait for that. The 707 in itself is a beautiful looking aircraft, but also it's an example of early days of commercial flight. Well, commercial flight, commercial jet aviation yes. anyway. And from the, from the late 50s, 60s, led the yeah. way for long distance jet flying. Yeah.
and that's why it was such a significant part of the Qantas history. And we have Connie, the Super Constellation, part of Qantas history. We will now have the 707. We have the 747. We have a few other aircraft in Qantas livery. We have a DC-4 which is being restored and is painted in 1950s Qantas livery. It's a beautiful example of it. We have the TAA uh, DC-3. We have a Convair painted up in TAA livery. So, yeah, quite a bit of uh, Qantas TAA history yeah. here at Haas. The 707 will be part of that heritage. We know it will be a huge event when it happens. Just when, we're not sure, but it will happen. As I mentioned at the start of this podcast, Wings Over Illawarra is happening on 27th and 28th November. I spoke with Ian Badham about Haas's involvement and with Mark Bright of Bright Events, who has been coordinating the event since 2014. Here's what they had to say about this exciting air show. Ian, I was going to ask you about Wings Over Illawarra, which is coming up at the end of November. How is that linked to Haas? Is it a joint exercise? It's been going some years now, and because it's held at Shell Harbour Airport, it is linked with Haas because Haas Aviation Museum is at Shell Harbour Airport. However, it's never been a Haas project in its own right, although one of our own members here, Michael Howe, is the guy through Rotary who kicked it off. And for the past few years, it's become such a big event that the, the Brights have actually run this as an event right. in their own right. Because Haas is here, then we become linked with it. So when it's on, for example, at the end of November, we will have several aircraft doing flying displays. We will also have other aircraft here lined up on the apron outside our hangars, and those aircraft will be open, so people who've paid to come into wings will then have the opportunity of coming down and going through the Haas aircraft. We'll just happen to have some donation tins outside (laughs) each aircraft. But yeah, we, we are joined at the hip, but it's run separately. Do you know at this stage what aircraft will be flying? We're hoping to have Neptune and the Connie and the Catalina. It really depends on what's serviceable on the day, but we will certainly have several aircraft involved yeah. in the flying. Yeah. Well, I've been to a couple of those air shows. It's spectacular. Sure. And uh, this year, particularly being the 100th year for the RAAF, their centenary, there'll be a number of Air Force aircraft and the Tamora Museum will have some of their Spitfires, Kitty Hawk uh, type things involved. It'll be pretty special and particularly not having it in recent years because of the the COVID, to have it back again as a big event as the Greater Sydney comes out of COVID lockdown, what a great way of doing it and the timing is right on the mark. Kiama Community Radio. For the community, by the community. So this afternoon we're with Mark Bright at Wings Over Illawarra. How are you today? Not too bad. To start with, Mark, I wonder if you'd give us a bit of a background about Wings Over Illawarra. The show itself began back in 2007. Initially it was run as the Wings Over Illawarra Organising Committee, which was members of Haas, the Light Rail Authority, local tenants, which is where my wife, Carrie and I, uh, mm-hmm. we got involved. We used to run the, the restaurant, the Aviator Lounge. From that point of things, we were the, I guess we were the airport tenants representatives on the committee, Rotary, Shell Harbour Council, Ports Aircraft Association, there was a, a number of groups involved in it. 2013, Shell Harbour Council indicated that it was time for them to step away and they were looking for someone to take over management of it. We took it over in October, November 2014. The show had a potential to be a fantastic event. 
Back in the early days, and we, I guess oh, we were yeah. crowd numbers, we were talking sort of five, 7,000 through the gates. We're now talking 30,000, 35,000 yeah. through the gates. It's now a two-day event. It's a 12-month-a-year job. Kerry and I, we kept growing it the best we could, promoting it, getting it out there, and we've basically arrived at where we are now. As I mentioned to you before, I've been to two of those, and they've been spectacular days. I love them. And this one's shaping up just as good. It is. I've had a look at the things you've got on display, or you're likely to have, apart from the Haas static displays of of their range of aircraft. We're actually flying a lot of Haas aircraft this year as well. The Constellation will be flying. Neptune, Caribou, flying the Iroquois from the Navy Heritage flight. So there's a few of the Haas aircraft certainly flying this year. But a big thing this year as well, from an air show point of view, is it's also the Royal Australian Air Force centenary year. Yes. This is really the last chance that the RAF have got to celebrate their centenary. It's also the last year farewelling the Classic Hornet, the F-18 Classic Hornet, which have been around since I think it's 84. So the F-35s are now moving in. We've still got the, the Super Hornets are still going. Right. But the Classic Hornets, it's time to move them on. So uh, this year is marking the RAAF centenary along with a farewell to the Classic Hornet. And fortunately... We've got a phenomenal classic Hornet display coming up this year. I was talking to Ian Badham about what he thought that the RAAF was putting on, and he wasn't quite sure what would yep. be available. It's certainly been very different this year. I mean, in the past, we've been very fortunate. We get great support from the RAAF and the Navy. This year, we've got, once again, the helicopter displays coming up from Albatross. And we very much appreciate their assistance. Every year, they're the first mm. people to commit, which right. is great. The RAAF, two major displays from Defence, but they're all fighters. I must admit, the noise is something about the fighter aircraft flying over that uh, gets everyone excited. As I mentioned before, it's the farewell to the Classic Hornet. So we thought we've got to showcase the the Classic Hornets. So we're actually kicking off the show on both days with the Hornet and finishing the show with the Hornets on both days. The initial one is a single display to start off with. Later in the day, near the end of the show, we will be having a a four-ship formation and simulated airfield attack, which will be a bit of fun, followed by an aerobatic display. An air show with the RAAF without having the latest and greatest, so we've also managed to get the F-35 putting on their first official aerobatic display. They've done a few handling displays around the countryside. The guys have been working very hard over the last month putting together what they believe is a 10-minute aerobatic display. From what I've heard, it's very impressive, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. They're certainly more manoeuvrable than the Hornets and a lot more power, twice the power coming out the back of them, which of course means they're a bit louder as well. So there's a range of flying displays. There's all sorts of other displays going on, the vintage oh, cars and the motorbikes. Certainly, yep. Yeah. Classic vehicle owners, a lot of the guys bring in, I mean, they say cars and motorcycles. I think we've got about 60 or 70 on each day at this stage. We've also got the ex-military vehicles association are bringing down a lot of their ex-military vehicles. Other static displays, obviously we've got a lot of defence static displays, but we've got a general aviation precinct this year as well. 35 general aviation exhibitors, so it's... Flying schools, there's a few maintenance organisations, CASA. A lot of the suppliers are going to be here, but there certainly will. I mean, aircraft manufacturers, that sort of thing. Plenty to see on, I guess, the affordable side of aviation. There's other options out there. I mean, your microlights, your ultralights, and movie trikes, gliders. There's lots of other options out there. That um, Jets and drones at all? But this year, we've also got a, a drone expo this year. A number of drone exhibitors coming down. 822X Squadron in Albatross are providing two of their, um, their actual act- active drones. And we're talking the Scan Eagle and the, the R100. And we're talking sort of four metre wingspan, so they're a decent sized drone. They'll be on display. Uh, a number of the drone companies, we've got some drone suppliers, that sort of thing will be here. I mean, the drone industry is certainly the fastest arm of aviation everywhere at the moment. It's rapidly growing. 
Add to that, Absolutely. we've got the Australian Defence Force drone racing teams. The guys will be putting on a couple of demonstrations. The virtual reality, the, the goggles they wear with these things now, yeah. it's all phenomenal. The yeah. technology is, is racing ahead. So yeah, that'll be on display. This year, we've, from a flight simulator point of view, we've got Army and Navy heli uh, helicopter simulators, all sort of with movement, VR goggles, that sort of thing. They're all set up in a, a large marquee, 10 or 12 sims set up. Yes, try your skills at uh, flying a uh, Navy or Army helicopter. And of course, you've got the usual aerobatic displays. Paul Bennett will have a display, and yeah. Matt Hall, they both yeah. have all be here talking to the general public, shaking hands. By far, probably two of the country's best. Another one is Glenn Graham, who's been flying for Paul for a long time. Glenn puts on a fantastic display, and he's a little, uh, flying the Rebel, Rebel 300, which is a, once again, a small aerobatic aircraft. Well, Mark, after the last 18 months or so with COVID, this air show couldn't come at a better time. I certainly hope a lot of people from Sydney and around the regions come to visit. A lot of Sydney sailors looking forward to coming down for the weekend, yeah. so it'd be good for the region. So to go online, go to wingsoverillawarra.com.au. That's correct. And you can find all the tickets there. Information, ticketing, it's all there. And of course, our social media, Facebook, Twitter, it's all there as well. Looking very much forward to it. Thank you very much, Mark. No problems at all. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned for the next two episodes where we do a guided tour of some of the historic aircraft at Haas and delve into the Navy Heritage Flight, and in particular the rescue of 99 Vietnamese refugees in 1981. This is Fred Hollis, over and out. Hi, I'm Glenn Shepherd. Join me on Mondays for Around the Arenas, KCR's sports program, where you'll hear what's been happening in sport across our region. I'll also talk to sporting identities to get an insight into the sports they're involved in. If you'd like to send me information about your sport or club event to be included in the program, email me at kcradiocontent at gmail.com. And I look forward to seeing you around one of our sporting arenas. You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. This program was proudly brought to you by Kiama Community College. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.